I like to rant. Ranting is fun. It also makes cleanses the soul. Uh, Detroit is to be one of the best sports cities in the country, if not the best. Surely Javi can't be as bad this year as he was last year. Surely that can't be the case. One of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, like in the modern era of baseball, just absolutely atrocious. He is a piece of the puzzle. He is not the entire puzzle. Right. He's a puzzle piece, but he is not the entire puzzle. This is the Michigan and Trumbull podcast with your hosts, Alex S. Freeman and Luke Giaconis. Hello and welcome to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm your host, Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Giaconis. Luke, welcome to the show. How are things? Uh... Unlike the Detroit Tigers, uh, I am doing well and I'm healthy. So I, that's that's how we're starting this episode off. Uh, my my life is good. I'm healthy and well, but the Tigers, the same cannot be said for. So that's where I'm at. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And we'll get into that in just a, just a moment here. But I just want to timestamp the episode for our listeners um, as we're recording. Uh-huh. It is Monday evening, um, June 5th, uh, a little bit before... The Tigers are set to take on the Philadelphia Phillies, um, oh. and the Tigers are currently tied for second in the American League, three and a half games out of first place. Uh, and that is that is going to timestamp things for us. And before we really t- start to talk about the teams, uh, both Luke, both you and I have been doing some traveling, uh, which is part of why this uh, episode is coming to our listeners a little late on our schedule. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess we'll start with, you were in New York, you came to New York, you came to the city that never sleeps, Uh the big banana, Uh the great North country. I don't know. Now I'm just making stuff up. The big banana. I like that one. The big banana. Um, That was my nickname in high school. And we went, we went to our first professional baseball game together ever. We did. I know. Kind of crazy. And your first time at Yankee stadium. What was your right. Yankee Stadium impression and experience? Not only first time at uh, Yankee Stadium, but just first time overall in New York. Uh, I, I, I made my East Coast debut, so to speak. Um, overall thoughts on Yankee Stadium. Uh, what, I have to say this going into it. Um, Yankees, obviously not my favorite team. <laughs> so it's, it's all, it was, this was my first time going to a stadium where I, actively don't root for the team and you could even probably say I hate the team. So that was a little bit in the back of my brain. Like I can't be on, I can't be biased like to hating the same because I don't like the team, mm-hmm. but my overall impression of Yankee stadium is it's a fine stadium. Um, I don't think it's by any means the worst stadium in baseball. I don't think it's the best stadium in baseball. Now I was counting out how many teams I've been to or how many stadiums I've been to now that I've gone to Yankee. Um, and I think this was my ninth out of 30 of them active teams. I went to old Marlins stadium, uh, but that obviously no longer is in existence for the, for the Marlins. Um, so I think right now I would probably rank it out of like from one to nine, probably like in that six to seven spot and in, in the mm-hmm. ranking, like a buddy of mine, I should pull up the text and look at I was texting a buddy of mine who lives in New York, who is not you, Alex. I have other friends than you who live in New York. Just That so doesn't aware. seem right. Well, that's the truth. Um, 
And he told me he was like, it just, he's like, it almost feels Yankee stadium to him feels like if you've ever like, uh, walked into a brand new house, like that isn't furnished yet. Like <laughs> he said something along those lines. He's like, it's like a big, beautiful house, but it's just still some, some, still somehow feels kind of empty and hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, the views I think from our seats that we had were spectacular with the view and the backdrop. And th- that was great. That was great. Not quite as good as like a PNC or a Bush stadium. That was great. The one big thing that I'm going to knock the Yankees for that I was a little bit disappointed. I'm going to, I'm going to use the D word disappointed. was the food. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't head over heels. And now to be fair, I had a hot dog. I think some of the other members in the group had some chicken tenders and fries. I nibbled on some of those. They were okay. But the most egregious thing to think to me, I think, and you probably know where I'm going with this, Alex was the milkshake. For years, I'd seen these pictures the last couple of years of how good these milkshakes looked. I got one uh, for myself. We all kind of split some among the group. And I thought for $16 that I paid, it had the substance and taste of a like McFlurry from McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And the catch is when I go to McDonald's, I don't pay $16 for McFlurries like I did at Yankee Sam. Now, to be fair, I did get a pretty nice uh, souvenir cup out of it. So that's nice. A little thing for the for the, the collection cup so of your speak. favorite baseball team. So of my favorite baseball team. But I'm going to say this real quick. In a, a big, something that's a big plus for Yankee Stadium, and it's just this with the night I happened to be there. Have you tried on yet, Alex, the free giveaway? I hate yeah. the Yankees, but that thing is comfy. It's super <laughs> comfy. Thing... I, flew, I flew in it when I went to Toronto, which will will, will get us into our yeah. next story in just a second. That, that the, other, the other day... Um, Came home after work. One of my traditions after work, if I don't get my ass to the gym, is uh, or even after the gym, you'll put on. I put on a pair of basketball shorts and a dry fit t shirt, pretty much like something I'm rocking right now. And I just enjoy my evening. And I was out of dry fits. And I was like, oh, this is the Yankee one. I haven't tried it yet. And I put it on, and I was like, I kind of hate myself for wearing this because I don't <laughs> like this team. But I was like, damn it, if this isn't comfortable because it it's it's so light, it's baggy enough, but I don't feel like I'm swimming in it too much. It's a perfect. For and being for a giveaway too, like yeah. it's pretty good quality. I feel like in like when we go to the Tigers game in October, their giveaway is going to be like a half-eaten thing of Little Caesars pizza and like uh, Scott Sizemore rookie card. I mean, they're going to say have fun. Half-eaten implies somebody was eating it to begin with, and I'm not entirely positive that's usually the case with Little Caesars. Uh huh. No, I knock but, Little Caesars. I like Little Caesars. But yeah, ov- overall, those are those are my um my. My brief thoughts, you know, and I always look like when I go to a stadium and you see the the couple things I always look for, like when I'm kind of reviewing or ranking are is the stadium itself, like the actual physical structure, Mm -hmm. which Yankee Stadium gets gets a check on food, which I would probably give them a thumbs down on. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually like interacting with other fans like staff members to kind of get like, what's the vibe now to be fair, I can't really knock the anxious. We went with a larger group. I think we had what five or six, we had five people with us. Mm-hmm. So like there was, I, there was really no need for me to be conversing with strangers, but hell I'll, I'll strike up a conversation with almost anybody. But I did feel like this was the, uh, the first stadium I've gone to in all my travels. I was like, yeah, I don't need to talk to any of these people. I have no interest <laughs> in talking to any of these, these loud mouth East coast, East coasters, which from one loud mouth to another, that's saying a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that that was just a kind of a, a quick little tip. So the pros, I would say, the overall view from our seats was spectacular. The free shirt giveaway was big, but I just wasn't a fan of the food. And overall, the stadium does feel kind of hollow to me. 
Um, I feel like this kind of will fall along the lines of like a great American ballpark in Cincinnati. We're like, yeah, it's, it's a fine stadium. I don't think I would ever rush back to go to it. Um, I think for you, since that's kind of your local stadium, I definitely can see why, you know, you go there time and time again. Um, Cause it's, you know, it's by no means a bad stadium. And the yeah. one thing I told, the one thing I told you that was funny for me to deal with, this was my first time going to a major league game outdoors since the summer of 2019 because 2020 was COVID and I moved to Florida in 2021 where we play all of our games indoors. So the last two years I've seen uh, the Marlins stadium and the Ray stadium all inside minus a spring training game or two. And um, it was so nice to be back outside. And although I, I don't want to say I was coming around to the idea of indoor baseball. I get it why you have to have it down here in Florida. Cause it's so damn hot, but even if I was like a little bit inching towards like, yeah, it's not that bad being outside on a beautiful Friday night mm-hmm. with a great skyline, good friends, good company. We watch two, you know, halfway decent teams play each other. Nothing beats that. You can't be inside. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. It was a beautiful, beautiful night for baseball. Um, it was great. And it's kind of all around a, a, a good introductory experience to Yankee stadium. I don't feel like anything happened that, uh, I have to no. caveat or or be like, no, this maybe skewed your experience a little bit, Luke. No, I think that was exactly what it is to go to a Yankees game, um, and I I more or less agree with everything that you just said about Yankee Stadium. Also, the milkshake line. Remember the milkshake oh, line? That I mean, was brutal. I know I, know I I know I just made fun of the milkshake because they and myself they were very very mediocre and I would say overpriced and overrated. But on top of that, we stood in line for what would you say close to thirty to forty minutes. Yeah, probably pretty close. That was probably about how long it took us to get, which with the clock, that's a lot of base. That's a lot of game time. Well, let me just put it to this way to, to the listeners and to the, the viewers at home. Uh, we were gone so long that my girlfriend texted me uh, and said, are you guys okay? Are you alive? <laughs> uh, you never, cause you never know what a Yankee game. You easily could maybe get jumped, like waiting in line for a corn dog. You never know. But luckily that did not happen. No fights, no issues with fellow fans. We were just waiting in line for a very long time for some very kind of whatever milkshakes. My wife sent no such text. <laughs> she did. Well, it's because you're married. Yeah, so she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She's like, he's eh, fine. He'll figure fine. it out. He'll figure it out. He's going to learn some life lessons. Yeah, I would say, so if I, had to, if I had to rank it scale of one to 10, I would probably give it a six and a half. I'd, I'd say a six, six, six and a half in that ballpark. By no means bad. It's not my favorite stadium. It's somewhere right in the middle. And like I said, out of the the stadiums I've been to, I would probably rank it out of the nine I've been to active. I'd probably put it like at the six or seven spot as well. So that's where I'm at. So uh, you experienced Yankee Stadium for the first time. Mm-hmm. I went north of the border as an international businessman and made sure to check out the Rogers Center while I was in Toronto mm-hmm. on business. Now, first, the first story I'm going to tell here. Uh, involves that Yankees giveaway because I was like, this thing seems really comfortable. I'm going to fly in it because it seems like a great on-plane shirt. It was. It was fantastic Mm -hmm. to fly in. But uh, when I landed in Toronto and was going through customs, uh, I did get hassled a little bit by the customs agent because I was wearing a Yankees shirt. Uh Um, And obviously, divisional rivals of the Blue Jays just generically disliked team for most other major league baseball team fans but i was able to explain uh i live in new york now this is the local team they gave me the shirt Uh, (laughs) i'm normally a tigers fan i'm a big tigers fan and i'm gonna cheer for the blue jays while i'm in town that got me into canada otherwise i think i was gonna get on the plane and get sent back home 
That's but it. Went to the Rogers Center, met up with Craig Colby, who gave me this nice new hat. Uh, nice. A little all caps hat of his book. Nice. Uh, all caps. Make sure if you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, go back, listen to our interview with Craig Colby. Fascinating guy. Great book. Um, check out the book as well uh, and give it a read. But Craig, being a, a local to to the Toronto scene, met up with him at the stadium. He took me on a big tour of the place, uh, showed me all the the renovations that had happened in this offseason uh, to, to the stadium. And my overall assessment is that the stadium itself also kind of fine. Um, the What was really cool, though, is that the new renovations that they did – I think are built really well to appeal to people who are not necessarily like into baseball, but are looking kind of for a, for a fun evening out. Um, Cause there's like a couple of different like bar areas that they built where there's like live musicians and or DJs. And like, there are views of the game from those areas, uh-huh. but it's not necessarily that it wouldn't have to be the main focal point of your going, which was, which was pretty interesting. And then like, based on that, the average age of the crowd seemed much younger than games I'm normally going to. And like, you could get in for, for like 20 bucks to get into this game. So, um, that was pretty cool to see, uh, just from that perspective, uh, there now the actual watching the game experience, um, was great sprung for sprung for some some nicer seats that i might normally spring for thinking this is probably one of the only times i'll find myself at the rogers center uh Mm -hmm. so we're just up a little bit from from the first base dugout um sitting there looking out into the field great views of the game roof was open um beautiful night what is the coolest part of the stadium is probably the fact that it sits at the foot of the cn tower um, okay. And so Very cool. if you, as you look up, if you're on the, if you're on the third base side of the stadium, you're, you're going to have a nice, beautiful view, similar to the Bush stadium view of, of the, the St. Louis arch, um, where we were sitting, you had to turn and look at it, but it was still super cool to kind of like, just like turn in the seat, look up and see this like really uh-huh. cool, iconic piece of the Toronto skyline, right, literally right above you. Um, down by the stadium is also pretty cool. There's a lot of different stuff down there. So it's a good, it's definitely a good stadium for like, get down here early. You can do some other stuff. There's like, uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple breweries around the area. Um, so if you want to, if you're into that scene, you can go do that. Uh, if you're, uh, an, an old man and into trains, there's a train museum right there. Uh, so naturally that's what I did before I went into the game. Um, <laughs> Also right there is like the, the Ripley's aquarium. Uh, so you can, you could really make a day of like down by the Rogers center before going into the game, which was really cool. Uh, really geared towards families. Uh, one of my favorite things, um, apparently, uh, Bass, one of Toronto's relievers, uh, recently got himself into some hot water with some anti pride comments. Mm -hmm. Um, and that stadium let him have it. Uh, oh, wow. when he came into the game. It was the the certainly the loudest booing I've ever heard of a home team's player. Wow. Uh then he went one, two, three in the eighth uh and got booed as he came off the field. So uh Toronto really standing tall oh. behind their values as an organization. Oof. And I That's rough. And I I it was like, okay, I like I I love to see this because also throughout the stadium, like um 
it was it was not yet June when I was when I was there, but uh-huh. uh, all sorts of like come as you are kind of uh, yeah. signage yeah. throughout the stadium, and so it was it was uh-huh. nice to see that like that follow through from the stands uh, and and really let this guy have it. Obviously, that the Toronto fans would like uh, Bass off the team kind of as soon as possible. That uh, yeah, that or he's got a definitely earn their trust and respect back. It sounds like, it sounds like had he given up a home run, they probably would have cheered. Honestly. Yeah. They might've, just, they might've just been based like, off how it was going or maybe yeah. boot even louder. Who knows? Even louder. Yeah. Mean, it was not, it was not going well for him, but all, all in all, um, again, similar like food experience at, at the Rogers center. I had a, I had a foot long hot dog. Um, mm-hmm. I had asked Craig, I was like, is there a, is there a signature dish that I mm-hmm. am like supposed to try? And he was like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, okay, great. Then let's, let's just get some, let's get some hot dogs and have a seat. I wonder if like the signature dish, I know, I know the signature dish thing is like a thing throughout all of the 30 stadiums in the major leagues. I, I think if um you go to the uh, Coliseum in Oakland, their signature dish is just an, empty box of uh, Cracker Jack. It's actually a pretty wonderful mm-hmm. experience. You actually have to pay uh, to uh, eat the Cracker Jack, buy the Cracker Jack. It's a whole thing at the at the Coliseum. Um, but I, f- I wonder if I wonder if other teams like don't make such a big deal of it like we do. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. so like I feel like if you go to Wrigley, like uh, the, the, the senior Sam has to be like a Chicago dog with all the fixings on top of it. Right. I wonder if just like some others, like a team, like the blues, you're like, you're in Toronto. I don't, I don't know what food you think you're getting here guy, but like, it's like temper your expectations. Like, I don't remember what the big one was when I went to Tampa. Um, I think Miami, it was sushi. I want to say, but I wasn't getting sushi at a baseball game. I just have strict moral beliefs against doing something like that. <laughs> I have recently become a sushi guy. I just can't become a sushi guy at a baseball game. That's just, that goes against my beliefs. That's and, fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah. So I, just, I wonder if, I wonder if that's a thing. If like, if maybe, because now I'm thinking about back to the Yankee game, um, a friend of ours had, uh, what did he, what did Anthony have? He had like that, that sandwich, that brisket sandwich or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And I think he said that was also just fine. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, I mean, when you're in a, when you're in a, when you're playing a team like the Yankees and you're in a city like New York, there's so many great food options. But it's like if you yeah. don't eat well at Yankee Stadium, it's like, well, there's other there's plenty of other places for you to try. So have at it. And I will say one of the cool new new features of Toronto this season um, at the Rogers Center is they have a a section of concession stands that is like based on the food the food of the city. And so like. Toronto is one of the most is the most multicultural city in in Canada and one of the most in the the in North America and so there uh-huh. was like a section that was like really dedicated to the 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 food and fare of of many of the cultures that are represented in Toronto um but again I similar to New York like I'm if I'm looking for a signature dining experience in one of those cities, I'm probably, I have a restaurant planned and I'm not necessarily planning to tie that into my time at Yankee stadium. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely fair. Yeah. Oh yeah. New York, no complaints. I had a nice time. If you can see Sweeney Todd on Broadway with that Josh Groban, you got to do it. That guy's got a great voice. Fantastic stuff. This episode brought to you by Sweeney Todd on Broadway uh no not it's not that'd be great though we would love that how cool would Uh, if i was like a special guest josh groban and he was just here bring him in folks (laughs) he's been hanging out in my room at my condo for just a few weeks now uh (laughs) just been great ever since we hit it off after i saw the show so yeah good stuff good stuff good review if you had to real quick um just 
judging both AL East, Yankee Stadium or Rogers Center, which one would you prefer? Probably Rogers Center. Um, I just think that Fascinating. there's... Fascinating. Okay. I think it's a little bit more... It fe- weirdly, it feels a little bit newer, um, probably because mm-hmm. they just did some renovations. But there, there's also just, I mean, Canadians are much nicer than New Yorkers, so it was just that is a, true. a much more pleasant in-stadium experience. <laughs> that is true. I was um, when we were when we were flying back um, to Florida the Monday we flew out on Memorial Day. Um, I'm I'm directionally challenged. Alex knows this, and now all of our listeners know it as well. So uh, being in New York for three or four days was kind of like a world. He's like, I don't really thank thank God for Google Maps because I would not have known that. And I had a great tour guide who knew the city much better than I did. <laughs> and um, when we got to LaGuardia, I was shocked to see that City Field was so co- close to LaGuardia. I was like, well, I didn't know it was all the way over here. So what this is all amounting to is the next time I visit New York, I want to do City Field. So that's a uh, that's a must the next time I'm in town. That sounds great. And I, I will be shocked if you don't like City Field much more than you liked Yankee Stadium. If anything, just to see, a, hopefully, a Frank the Tank Fleming rant in person. Oh, it'd be so good. It'd be so good. Speaking Got of it. a rant, um, it's about that time to start talking about the Tigers. So uh-huh. uh, we're going to get ourselves set up. Luke, have a drink of water. Get yourself set up for a Luke rant. You know, they say good things come to those who wait. And uh, to all of our listeners and those who watch the show on YouTube, our viewers who have waited a few episodes now for me to actually (laughs) rip into this team, uh, because every time we would record prior to this moment, they were actually playing pretty good baseball. But apparently that's not the memo anymore in Detroit. Uh, The idea now is to play as dog shit as you can, uh, which is what this team has done over the last few games. Now let's, let's, let's preface this all by saying this team is being once again decimated with injuries. In a matter of 24 mm-hmm. hours, they lost their best starting pitcher in Eduardo Rodriguez, and then they lost their best overall player in Riley Green. On top of that, they still don't have Casey Mize. They still don't have Tarek Skubal. They still don't have Matt Manning. I think he's getting over that little pinky toe that he thought it would keep him out for a game or two. Well, Matt, now it's coming on coming up on almost a month and a half to two months, so What's going on there? Matt Veerling's on the aisle. Trey Winterton's on the aisle. I mean, the list goes on and on. Kerry Carpenter's on the aisle. It's just not a good thing for the Tigers in terms from a health perspective. But what is the most infuriating thing to me right now about the Tigers is honestly, even though they're injured, some players on the team are still putting them in positions to win, mainly the mm-hmm. starting pitchers. Enough cannot be said about this past weekend of what Reed, what Reese Olsen did in his major league debut. I want to say yep. he struck out nine against the White Sox. Very good. Michael Lorenzen, who now has had to essentially become this team's makeshift ace on the fly, a guy who started the season on the aisle, is now your best starting pitcher in your rotation. What does that say? And then Matthew Boyd on the Sunday finale, pitched five solid innings. The starting pitchers are not the issues with the Detroit Tigers right now, even though it seems every day another one goes down. Case in point, Alex Fido went to the aisle right before the game on Sunday, so he won't be starting for the next couple of games, it seems. What's so infuriating about this team is their inability to hit with runners in scoring position. Mm -hmm. Not only is this offense just as bad as last year, they are worse in a way because it's almost the blue balls effect, I would call it, where you think something great's really about to happen, and then you have runners on first and second, second and third with nobody out, and they can't score a freaking run. Mm -hmm. It is insane to me. 
this team cannot hit with runners in scoring position. And I saw a great tweet the other day that I'm going to slightly paraphrase. It said something along the lines of, if your lineup is dependent on one guy that goes down, that in turn then changes the entire face of how your lineup hits, you don't have a good lineup to begin with. And I think that has become evident with this Riley Green injury. And it sucks to say, because I know for the last eight or nine weeks of this season, we've been pretty kind, pretty accommodating, pretty complimentary to how this team was playing, because in some regards, they definitely deserve it, especially their month of May. They went 16 and 11 in the month of May. That's great. I'm going to give them two golf claps for that, because that actually is worth celebrating. But what we have already seen throughout these first three games in the month of June is that without Riley team, without Riley Green, this team is completely screwed. And the fact that we are eight years into a rebuild, eight years, and this is the shit we have to watch time and time again. I think yesterday the bottom half of the the lineup was Tyler Nevin, Jake Rogers, Andy Abanez, Nick Maton, and Jake Marinsky. It was it was some sort of combination of those five guys. And I think the person who was hitting the highest batting average-wise might have been Andy Ibanez, if I'm not mistaken. The fact that this is eight years in, and that is half of your lineup, it just goes to show you how completely screwed this team truly is. You may have one or two great and kind of fun puzzle pieces, but overall, things are bad. Things are bad, and I think what we're about to get smacked in the face with blatantly is how bad things really are that I think we all kind of knew maybe in April and part of May, but you got off to that good start, so it kind of seemed like it was hidden, maybe a bit of a facade. But with the Riley Green injury, the Erod injury, you know, Kerry Carpenter's still out. He's rehabbing right now, to be fair. Matt Veerling out, and then just the plethora of pitchers that are still hurt. God bless you. Uh, It's just bad. It's bad news, Bears. I know right now you said at the top of the show there, I think I want to say five under and two, three and a half out of first place. Yep. That's great. And they could sweep the Phillies and maybe things turn around. But just judging off this White Sox series, it is time to not only push but smash the panic button because things look terrible at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think to to really like drive home your point here, Luke, um, is if you look at the – they played the White Sox on two successive weekends. Um, one – with with Riley Green in the lineup and one without. And they went three and one against the Sox with Riley in the lineup with scores of seven two, seven three, six five were the winning scores. They then lost twelve three, one of those games. Uh-huh. Um and then this past weekend they got swept by the Sox, losing three oh, two one, and then six two. That six two score being a little bit inflated because it was a, a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Right. Um and so that is more of a three two game than it is a six two game. Uh-huh. Uh but obviously like not not giving up an unreasonable amount of runs in any of those games, but you just were unable to to generate enough offense to beat a team that scored three runs. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that really does, that really does drive home your exact point that, that, that there, they shouldn't be in this much trouble without Riley green in the lineup. Um, but they really are. I think what we're also going to find out um, with his upcoming series against the Phillies and I, I know we we kind of jokingly talked about it maybe a month ago, who won that offseason trade between the Phillies and the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's a long season. 
yes, things aren't great for the Tigers right now. You know, come August and September, Matt Veerling and Nick Mayton could be the new, you know, the new dynamic duo in this lineup. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could happen. But right now, to me, it's clear as day. The Tigers did not win that trade. Um, Gregory Soto is pitching like Gregory Soto, and they actually made Cody Clemens turn out to be a little bit of a solid, somewhat halfway reliable hitter. So it's just, it's just like things. I just feel like the Tigers are cursed. I really do. And I would be more like actually livid and upset about this, but I'm almost numb to the pain at this point. And Mm -hmm. I, and I really do mean that. I feel like, I feel like, and it's been a while since we've thrown his name out, but nothing's going to change till change happens at the top. And that starts with Chris Illich. Yep. I mean, and until Chris sells this team and really a new ownership group takes over that actually is a baseball minded group, I don't feel like anything is ever going to change for the Tigers. Here's a great question, too. Where is Chris Illich? I watch most of these games. I cannot think of a single time I've had to look at his stupid face once throughout this season thus far, and we're already in the month of June. Maybe he was there for opening day. Maybe he wasn't. I don't really recall. But Chris Illich, just he's he's an ab- he's an absentee owner. He's yeah. not a baseball minded guy. He's an empty men's warehouse suit with no balls douchebag. That's what he is. That's what he is. He's a he he's he's not a baseball guy. Mike Illich was a baseball and a sports-minded guy. Chris Illich is not, and that's okay. You don't have to be Mike Illich 2.0. You don't have to be your dad, Chris. But if you're not going to put forth an effort, if you're not going to bring that level of wanting to win in mentality to the table like your father did, then you need to step aside and let someone else do it. Because right now, what you're doing as an owner, I should say lack thereof, is abysmal. The dad from Angels in the outfield was more present than Chris Illich has been throughout his tenure as the Tigers' owner. So, take that for what it's worth. I don't really want to leave the Chris Illich conversation um, because I think it's important uh, Uh to – to kind of look at in that in that regard, because I think that that right now, right, what we've seen from this team is that they are a few pieces away from being a competitive team. Mm-hmm. I think that they're more than a few pieces away from being a World Series champion team. But what this injury highlights, what this spate of injuries highlights, is that. We don't have enough next man up mm-hmm. um, a lack on of the depth. team. That that there is the lineup that we were fielding in much of May was a good lineup, was a competitive lineup. Um, they could go out and beat most teams on any given day. Um, they would be scrappy about it regardless. They were never really out of the game necessarily um now admittedly i didn't watch actively the the three games against the the white Sox this weekend my sense of being half tuned in is that they never as soon as they got behind they never really felt like they were in the game which was that which was exactly what it was last year that as soon as they got behind 
they were not in the game anymore. It was over. It, it really was. And I'm glad you brought up the, the comparison between the Memorial Day weekend series against the White Sox and this most recent one. Because it was honestly like watching two different teams. And I now, obviously, you could say, well, that's because Riley Green was playing in one of the series and he wasn't in the other. And that's fair. But again, if your team is dependent solely on Riley Green, you've got a problem with the overall structure of the team. Riley Green cannot carry the entire team. He just can't. And for what it's worth, I love Riley Green. I think he's going to be a star in Detroit. But let's not pretend he was throwing out Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, prime Miguel Cabrera numbers. He, yeah. he wasn't doing – he wasn't on that much of a tear where it's like, well, there goes the offense. Like he was doing a really good job playing some great defense, and he was a reliable bat in the lineup. But he wasn't, you know, by any means Hank Aaron enough by any means. So let's just set that straight. But – you said it perfectly as well. This series against the White Sox felt like I was watching the 2022 Tigers. At the minute they were down by a run, I was like, they're not coming back from this. There's mm-hmm. there's no way they're they're coming back from this. And to be fair, the White Sox are an okay team. I know their record doesn't reflect it, but they've still got star power on that team and, and on that roster and in, you know, in the organization. So I'm not surprised. I've, I've said all year with the White Sox. The White Sox are either going to be a team that finishes like – with 75 wins and be like, yeah, we probably saw this coming. Or I could see them rattling off and getting like 85 to 90 and be like, yeah, I saw that coming as well. Mm -hmm. Like they're a very weird Jekyll and Hyde type team, the Chicago White Sox. But I think that it's just right now, it just feels sluggish. Uh, What a difference a week can make because ever since that Rangers series, uh, they got shut out that first game. They were scrappy in that second game, but ultimately lost because the Rangers are just a vicious team on offense. And then somehow, by the grace of God, uh, Joey Wentz pitched that third game, and they were able to scrape out a 3-2 win. Then that led them into the White Sox series where they got swept. So it just feels like ever since the Rangers series at the start of last week, there just feels like a tone change with this team. And um, it's not a good change. That's for sure. I, I, I just There's nobody on this team right now other than maybe Zach McKinstry that I have confidence in. Um, I yeah. think Javi Baez is back to swinging the bat like dog shit. We're going to start having the conversation pretty soon. I know he homered yesterday in the Sunday finale, but sooner than later, we're going to start throwing the B word around with Spencer Torkelson because I there is nothing that I see from him on a consistent basis that gives me hope that he is a long-term part of the puzzle future. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't see a piece of the puzzle. I just, I don't see it right now. Defensively, he's getting worse, which we've always kind of said, Torque's pretty good at first base. He's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the defensive metrics, he's not great. Um, and offensively, he's not there either. You know who leads the Tigers right now in home runs? I actually don't. Guess. I actually don't know. Um, Take a guess. Eric Haas? Good guess. Good guess. You're you're not wrong because let me let me also just preface this for you. The league leader has six home runs. <laughs> the t- the, I should say the team leader. The team leader has six home runs, and that team leader is Jake Rogers. The backup catcher close. has the most home runs on your team. Scott Harris, Chris Illich, you have a problem. That yep. needs to be fixed. Jake Rogers, we like Jake, but admittedly isn't having that great of a season. Got off to a hot start, but has definitely cooled off since April. Your backup catcher is leading your team in home runs. Scott Harris 
It is time to stop pretending that you are Billy Bean 2.0, and it is time to go out and sign some actual Major League Baseball players. What did Scott Harris do after seeing how putrid this team was in 2022? What was his big solution to fix the offense? No, you know, I didn't need him to go out and get Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, Dansby Swanson, Trey Turner. List goes on. And I, I didn't need him to go out and do any of those big signings. Well, who did he bring in? Tyler Nevin. Andy Abanez. He traded for Nick Mayton and Matt Vierling. Scott Harris, everyone is watching you, and mm-hmm. nobody's impressed right now. You, you, He has a lot of the Joe Madden syndrome already, in my opinion, where he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and mm. he's looking pretty, pretty stupid at this moment in time. Because this is the this is the this is the lineup you're fielding six nights a week, Scott. Fix it. Yeah, I mean, I th- and I think that a lot of it comes down to uh, you just brought in this this new hitting staff that uh, seemed seemed to be doing good stuff, and now we're at a spot in the season where um, adjustments need to be made to a lot of guys, and those adjustments have yet to, I've yet to see them get made. Um, it was interesting you brought up you brought up Javi Baez because uh, obviously one of the big questions uh, if you have a guy like Javi Baez on the roster who you're paying a, a large amount of money to you brought in to be um, a a stud player for you to be a leader of the team uh, on the field and in the in the hearts of fans and you have uh, Riley Green another uh, another guy who is like potential future face of the franchise uh but future face of the franchise nobody nobody necessarily expects guys in their second or third season in the big leagues to like truly take the team on their shoulders it's really nice when they when they can come close to it when they're they're, they're that hot young guy but where's Javi Baez in this situation mhm this mm-hmm. is the moment that Javi, you're getting paid to step into and to make the adjustments that you need to make. You don't we don't need you to be a home run hitter right now. We need you to be a singles, doubles, triples guy, um, picking up RBIs, not corkscrewing your way into the ground because you swung really hard at a ball that bounced five feet in front of the plate. Um we we need you to to make those adjustments. We need you to throw the ball into freaking Spencer Torkelson's chest because obviously he's struggling at first base right now. Um, we we need a guy to be able to step into that spot and be like, okay, okay, I gotta, I have to settle this team down. I have to get back to the fundamentals of baseball. Um, and unfortunately, the guy that Alavila went out and got to be our big stud shortstop is not someone who's ever made a career out of doing the fundamentals correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's look at tonight's lineup against uh, uh, the Phillies for game one. So I'm just going to rattle them off real quick, and then we're going to play another game here. Lineup goes like this. McKinstry and right, Javi at short, Badu in left field, Torque at first, Nick Mayton at third, Haas is catching, Miggy's DHing, Ibanez at second, Mariznick in center. That's nine guys, right? Out of mm-hmm. those nine guys... How many of them do you think have a batting average above, let's say, hmm, I'll go 250? Two. Correct. Very good. You want to take a guess at which two it is? McKinstry? 
Badu? Very good, sir. I'm impressed. Yep, Zach McKintree's hitting 278, Akil Badu hitting 250. You have Jake Marisnik, who's hitting 200, Andy Abanez 183, Miggy's at 202, Nick Mayton That's, batting fifth for whatever sadly, reason. Sadly, that is actually a, a better 62. batting average than I thought you were going to tell me Miggy was, was hitting right now. That was better well, than from, I, what you know, I thought. Yeah, and that's fair. And I want to talk about Miggy for a second. He just had, I think, was it against the Rangers, um, a three-hit game. I know Saturday against the Sox he was out because I think he was at a his one of his Dodgers, I think, a graduation or something. Yeah, so that did. makes sense why I wasn't there Saturday. I don't know, maybe Sunday just traveling. I don't know. But this team right now, it, no one no one is running away being like, let me put the team on my back. I'm not saying you go out there and play Miguel Cabrera every single game, but give give the old guy a shot. Give, give the old crafty veteran a shot. I'd rather see Miguel Cabrera get more at-bats right now than Nick Mayton. I mean, I, I really would. Or Andy Abanez or Jonathan Scope. I mean, I, I truly would. So I know it's a difference of position with some of those guys. And AJ loves to play, you know, mix and match throughout the game with his lineups. But, I mean, for what it's worth, I'd rather see Miggy get some more at-bats. And I honestly think there is something to be said that if you give him more at-bats consistently, he will kind of round out mm-hmm. to that hitter we all know and I've seen in the past. I'm not saying he's going to smack 30 home runs like he did back in the day, but you know, maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, this team right now, other than really Zach McKinstry at the top, it's putrid. It's a putrid yeah. lineup. Um, and on the bench, it's not much better with depth. It really isn't. And from what I've seen in AAA, Kerry Carpenter is really struggling, so I don't know when he's getting the call up. Um, but you know, some people are already kind of saying, does Colt Keith kind of get uh, rushed a little bit to the majors sooner than later? Justin Henry Malloy, uh, Donnie Sands. Uh, people along those lines. So I'll be curious to see how they handle stuff like that because right now the Tigers have not only a problem offensively, but they've got a depth issue as well. They've got absolutely no no depth uh, anywhere right now. And uh, the, and it's a shame too because I, I know we just ranted about the offense and rightfully so, but the pitching continues to impress me. Mm-hmm. Like just when I think it's like, all right, this is when Chris Fetter's you know, plans blow up in his face. <laughs> you have a guy making his major league debut in Reese Olsen who goes out and strikes out, I think, nine White Sox, lets up two or three earned runs. And unfortunately, had he been playing for any other team in baseball, he probably gets a four or five run backing from his offense and he gets a major league win his first yeah. time out. Michael Lorenzen, I think, went into the seventh inning either pitching a shutout or letting up one run. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think he let up the one. That was the weird wild pitch game. Um, and then Matthew Boyd, you know, well, say what you will about Matthew Boyd. I know sometimes he's hot and cold, super nice guy. We all know that more often than not, he's going to at least get you to the fifth inning, maybe only giving up anywhere from two to three runs. You know, if you, if you, if you try to extend him into the sixth, the seventh, that's really he, where he runs into issues. But again, you know, and then I'm not even mad. I mean, I wasn't happy, you know, what happened with Alex Lang, obviously, but I'm not mad at Alex Lang. Mm-hmm. He's been so good this season. You, you, you can't if you're if you're an if you call yourself a real Tigers fan, you can't be mad at Alex Lang. Finally, you know, just the baseball gods catching up to him and giving up that yeah. walk off grand slam. It was only a matter of time. And you know what? These guys shouldn't have to go out there every single game with their backs against the wall and make miracles happen. Their offense needs to step up as well. And the offense just doesn't. It's amazing. They have about 18 different hitting coaches, yet the offense is still dog shit. So I don't know what the purpose is of having all these hitting coaches when you can start to make an argument that this lineup is somehow worse than last year's. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and obviously, you know, injuries, injuries suck and injuries are, 
are never fun, but injuries are particularly a part of baseball. Like you're going to have mm-hmm. a spot in the season every year where your team is a little injury plagued. You're a little beat up. Mm-hmm. It comes at different points for every team. Um, and so the fact that there is no depth to this roster um, is, is something that no one should have been surprised as a problem uh, that, that when, when a couple of these guys get hurt, and they go down, then then suddenly it's it's over. And obviously, this is uh, not not a no no time is a good time for injuries. But this is a particularly rough stretch. We got the Phillies uh, up here for three games. Obviously, not not having the the best season necessarily, but um, solid team. Uh, uh-huh. The Diamondbacks, very good baseball team. The Braves, then uh, the Twins. There's seven against the Twins this month. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is the this is the month that we're going to arrive at the end of it, and then it becomes decision time in terms of like what are we going to do as a team to compete. Uh, right now, I don't know that in the next two weeks, as these injuries sort themselves out, that the Tigers can stick around. Uh, to be in a spot where where it really matters what they do the rest of the month, uh, you know, there's there's a there's potential that if the roster is hitting like this, that they we come out of the next two weeks, uh, I don't know, d- ten games, eleven games below five hundred. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What did I put on on Twitter? I put my official prediction for the rest of the month, and I ha- oh yeah, I had them. Um, I think I'm going eight and nineteen. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be one of those months that it officially sinks the ship. And for what it's worth, I know the offense is abysmal. Obviously we've ranted and raved about that enough on this episode, but like, yeah, I acknowledge that injuries are part of the problem, but realistically speaking, like outside of Riley green, I don't want to knock Matt Veerling or Kerry Carpenter. Like it's not like those three guys that I just named are like, major league all-stars and it's like you know mm-hmm. it's like for the yankees if aaron judge goes down or for you know the Braves if it's ronald acuna jr who, whatever big superstar for whatever franchise you can think of like yeah riley green is it seems is going to be that guy but Kerry carpenter is just kind of you know another bat with some pop matt veerling has been hot and cold through the season decent but hot and cold so even if we had those three guys right now going up against the Braves and the Diamondbacks and all these games against the Twins, I'd feel maybe a little bit more confident, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I'd still be going into these things like, oh boy, this is going to be like a big brother, little brother beat down here, it kind of feels like. And that's just where they're at. And then on the pitching side of things, we'd even mentioned Spencer Turnbull's hurt. You got Fiedo, who I briefly mentioned is hurt. Mm-hmm. They're calling up Garrett Hill, it looks like, to start game two tomorrow night. And then Reese Olsen will probably close out the series against the Phillies. It might get borderline disgusting mm-hmm. by the end of this month. Um, part of that is because of the injuries. Part of that is because of the schedule. And part of that is because how mundane this offense currently is. And unless guys like Javi and Torkelson and Akil Badu and Eric Koss decide to figure it out like tonight, uh, it, it's going to, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And I have one other question too. And I know I want to kind of talk about this with a bit of a grain of salt or like kind of um, gloves on, so to speak, Austin Meadows. So obviously we've talked about how Austin Meadows, you know, he's got some mental health issues. He needs to take the time he needs to get those figured out. The question I will ask though is, and maybe it's, it's obviously different with mental health stuff because it's not like a thing where, you know, always oh, on the 10 the day IL, you know, 
with lingering back spasms or anything like that. You know, mental health is a completely different beast. And I don't mean to sound cold when I ask this question, so forgive me, but obviously you want Austin to take his time and get to peace with whatever he needs to get to peace with that's going on with him. But at what point in time do you make the business decision to say, we want you to get better, we want to support you, but as an organization, we need to look elsewhere and we're moving on. I know it's a very tricky question because you don't want to come off inconsiderate or cold, but I mean, from what I've heard, it's been silence with Austin Meadows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly forget he's on the team. that He's literally you know, uh, uh, paid by the Tigers because of just the lack of chatter I've heard about him returning, not returning. Um, anything along those lines. I don't even know how that gets handled too. So. Yeah, I will say he is on the, the 60 day IL. So um, we mm-hmm. went back, back going back to May 1st. Uh, so we, we wouldn't see him until July at the earliest. Yep. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you would, you would anticipate a, a, a guy on the 60 day IL um, with a, some other with a physical injury of some kind, you would, you would anticipate probably we start to hear some stuff around now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I mean, I guess we'll see. And I think that there's, uh, there's definitely something to be said of, you know, injury injuries and careers sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go physically and, and mentally. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. we want to, we do, we do want to make sure that he gets, he gets he gets the help that he needs. He gets healthy um, all around, but sometimes that that healthy might mean that it's not safe to return to Major League Baseball at, at yeah. the the top level. Um, and as as the Detroit Tigers organization, like obviously as we kind of approach this coming off the this this timeline to come off the sixty day IL, yeah, what does that look like? Do we need to start looking elsewhere? Do we need to bring in a new a new left fielder to kind of join the roster. Mm -hmm. Because if, and I'm not trying, I'm not suggesting like Austin Meadows needs to suck it up and just get back out there. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is if, if he were at a point where he's like, I think maybe I'm ready to start rejoining. Obviously he would be a welcomed addition right Mm -hmm. now. Could just give him where the offense is at. Um, I guess what I'm confused about is kind of what you just mentioned was, you know, Casey Mize, I don't even know if he's going to pitch this year, but every t- every week when they do the injury updates, there's always Casey Mize is playing catch four times a week. Unless my eyes are playing tricks on me, I don't ever hear anything about Austin Meadows. But what's weird then is I at least think on the home broadcast, I'm not sure about away games. I've seen him in the Tigers dugouts during home games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe they're just trying to, like, trying to keep him involved in the culture of the team. I don't know. And I, again, I'm not, he, he, the man must do whatever he must do to get himself mentally healthy. I think that's the mental health crisis is a big thing that happens in the world today. And I think it's talked about a lot more than it was 15, 20 years ago, which is great. Um, I just, in terms of like logistically kind of getting updates on like, Hey, how is he doing? And then B, is there any chance he's considering or like there's possibility he returns this season? Like the fact that we haven't gotten really any of those other than the fact that he's just on the 60 day IL you know, it's kind of like, all right. But then again, you know, like we said, a mental health thing like this, we've never really seen before with the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Injuries happen all the, all the time. So maybe that's why they're a little bit more equipped with the physical more than the mental. But regardless, I hope he gets well soon and can return to some action uh, if he feels he's ready. But he'd be yeah. a welcome addition, that's for sure. And I will, say, I will say, like, certainly, I mean, just even just the experience of quantifying where a guy is at from a physical injury uh, is is much more 
much more of an evolved science than where mm-hmm. somebody is at from from mental health. It's not. It's not, you know, like, obviously, like, you have Tommy John surgery. Here's the progression that we take. Right. Um, it feels mm-hmm. good. It feels good to throw again. Great. Um, there's there's less of those milestones with mental health because it can mm-hmm. – he could, he could feel ready to take the field today and then not tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just figuring out what those – what those roadmaps – what the roadmap back looks like um, mm-hmm. is definitely something I, and I, I do, I do empathize with guys like, with guys like Shep who, um, because it is new to being talked about, uh, don't necessarily have those same touch points to express mm-hmm. it. And, and obviously not wanting to come across as putting pressure on, on Austin in any way. Um, right. That like, you know, take literally take the time that you need. Um, mm-hmm. We just then don't know how to, report the story yeah and i i think you have to give the tigers some grace for what it's worth you know they've been nothing but cordial and understanding and compassionate towards austin meadows so unless they take a complete 180 and like they go full heel so to speak which i don't anticipate them doing that (laughs) you can't fault them if and when and if this happens sooner than later if they get to a point where we say austin we love you Please get better. But as an organization, we need to go uh, separate ways and we need to now focus on our team. And I don't honestly think at this point that would be wrong of them to say or to do. I think you still need to be there. Um, I, I still don't know. I don't think that would happen midseason. I'd be very surprised if that mm-hmm. happened midseason. Um, I think you see that happening maybe more during the offseason. Um, I also don't know contractually where he's at with his with his contract. So, um you know, just looking at it from the outside perspective, though, he played hardly any games last year. Mm-hmm. He played even, I believe, less this year. So it's just, it, you know, you can't fault the Tigers for how they've handled this situation because they've handled it perfectly well. But eventually they're going to have to kind of make that quote unquote business decision. And when they do, I think as a fan base and just overall as an organization, no one should scoff at their decision making because if you've really been kind of in touch with this story as we have and all the other Tiger fans have, you have to give them a lot of credit. They've handled this very well. The comments the team has made, AJ Hinch has made, um, et cetera, really speaks volumes to how they are supporting him as a team. Just eventually, if things continue on this progression, you have to imagine it probably means his days as a Tiger are, are more than numbered. Yep, I would agree. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's talk some numbers, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Luke. So uh, this week, I want to compare mm-hmm. April to May. Okay. Um, and team OPS. Okay. Where in April do you think the Detroit Tigers ranked in Major League Baseball in team OPS? I'm going to say second to last. That is exactly correct. With a team OPS of 632. And in fact, they're listed above the Royals, but their OPSs are the same. Um, Yeah. So they were tied with the Royals for last uh, in Major League Baseball. Now, where do you think they were 
in the month of May. So it's taking the whole month into account, which obviously was a better month. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to say they didn't. I'm going to still say they're in the bottom third, so to speak. So I'm going to say they were at 23 overall. That is exactly correct again. Well done, Man, Luke. we are on fire. Thank we are you. Well done to you. Nailing yeah. it. Yeah. Well done. With, a, with a team OPS of 697. Uh, mm-hmm. they're obviously moving, moving well up. Also, um, interestingly, the, uh, Kansas city Royals also made a big move, um, in the month of May, jumping all the way to 14th with an OPS of 742 as a team. Good uh, for them. so, so really, yeah, really nice to see there, um, in the, in the AL central, um, in both in both months, nope. The, um, I apologize. I was I I looked right over the Guardians. I was going to say in both months the Tigers were at the bottom of the Central um, in Team OPS, but they weren't. The Guardians were were much worse in May uh, than the the Tigers and Royals uh, down there at the bottom, sitting twenty ninth uh, in that situation. Yeah. But it's, it's AL it's, Central is still terrible. Let's yes, not, let's not sugarcoat it. It's so bad by the numbers. So the bad. AL Central sucks. Um, yeah, which is which again is like I mean everything we've talked about is so frustrating about how this team can mm-hmm. this team doesn't need to be that good to win the American League mm-hmm. Central and True. make the playoffs. Now they need to be yep. significantly better to win the World Series, but to make the playoffs and win the Central, you don't need to be that good. Uh, as a team. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I guess I'm going to try to put a positive spin on this maybe as we wrap up, but like, I'm sure had you told me back in March that, Hey Luke, in June, the Tigers are going to be three and a half games out of first place. <laughs> I, again, probably would have planned the parade as I say from time to time, but it's just like, I don't feel great about how they're three and a half games out of first place. Like I get it. Three and a half is three and a half, but like they're not playing overall mm-hmm. great, baseball they had a very 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 not good month of april but not as bad as prior uh, prior aprils or previous aprils um and they had a good month of may but in theory they should have had a good month of may because the teams they were playing in my mm-hmm. opinion they were better than and they handled their business like they needed to but now we're already seeing early on in this month of june based off injuries in the calendar that it's like you're not always going to have those nice three-game series against the Royals or the Nationals or two against the Pirates or four at home against the White Sox. You know, you're going to have to. You got to play all the teams. You just don't get to play the crappy ones. And when they play the good ones, I mean, I can't really think of a series this year that the Tigers have played a team that is better than them both in record, but also just like this is a better team. Like so, like the Mets are record-wise, better than the Tigers. But, like, the Mets still aren't a very good team thus far. Yeah. It's like, I can't think of, like, a series, like, where they stepped up against a team like the Braves or the uh, Yankees or the the Tampa Bay Rays, something along those lines. Yeah, they have yet, to, April, they have yet to beat a team that I am surprised that they beat. Um, they, they took two out of three against the Astros, I think, in early April, because it was right after they got swept by Houston. And that was kind of surprising just given how poorly they played against Tampa to start the season. But also that was like a first weekend of the season. So many teams yeah. that are good even have ter- bad months, you know And I mean? Um, and Houston's good this year. You know, they're always good, but they're not like running away with anything at this point in time. Um, so yeah, just like there, there hasn't been a series, I guess, like where it's like, oh my God, the Tigers just swept the Blue Jays. 
are like, yeah. holy cow, the Tigers just swept the Baltimore Orioles. Like it just hasn't happened yet. So yeah, maybe. They, they, I think the we'll most see. surprising thing about the season so far is that they are they are more or less beating the teams they're supposed to beat. For the most part, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. For the most part, because even 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 this this White Sox series, yeah, the White Sox have been down this year. I think on paper, the White Sox are not are not necessarily one of the teams that the Tigers are supposed to beat at the moment. Um, I agree. I could agree with that. And that's that's Tim Anderson is a pest. Certainly would have been the assessment preseason uh, that really the only team in the division that we're supposed to beat is the Royals. And and if we can beat the other teams, yeah. that would have that would have been been gravy. And so, I I hate that they got swept this past weekend. But again, like if you told me that that was going to happen two months ago, I would have said, yeah, of course that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and to be fair, if we're talking about uh, interdivision games, I believe both series against Cleveland this year, they've won both of those series. A team that over the last five to seven years has just made the Tigers' life an absolute nightmare. Yeah. So um, I guess you got to take the small pictures when you can. What I'm looking for in this Philadelphia Philly series is just for the bats to come alive. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's it. Now watch what's going to happen. The bats are going to come alive this series, but this is when the starting pitching is going to catch up with them because for what it's worth, they're putting out Joey Wentz, Garrett Hill, and Reese Olsen. Um with all due respect to those three guys, you're not really striking. Row of starting yeah. pitching. Yeah, you're not really uh, – long gone are the days of <laughs> Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Rick Porcello. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, what you're looking out of those guys is get get us get us five innings. If you can get us five innings and we can hand it over to the bullpen, you know, and the offense is doing their job, I think it's okay. If you, five innings of – keeping them in the game from their starters is pretty much should be the MO for these next three nights in Philly. We'll see if they can make it happen, but it doesn't matter if they get through five or not. If the offense hits like they did in Chicago, they're up shit's Creek without a paddle. So here we go. Agree completely. Luke, we'll talk to you soon.